Hello, hello, hello. Welcome everyone to the Sales Development Podcast. I am so excited that I finally got this gentleman on the on the line. Mr. Steve Benson is the CEO and founder of Badger Map. And um, Steve, thank you so much for joining us today on the Sales Development Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Really excited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've been following the work that, that you've been doing for a while. And tell us a bit about your background, how you got involved as a sales rep, going to business school, and then eventually running uh, Badger Maps. I guess before business school, I worked in insurance. And then I went to business school at Stanford. And after that, went to IBM. And I was in a, uh, I was in a, a sales role there. Then I went to a software company called Autonomy, which got bought by HP. Um, after that, I went to Google and spent uh, about four years there and then founded Badger. And what Badger does is help field salespeople be more effective when they're when they're in the field. And we've been growing and building Badger for the last five years. And now it's, uh, it's a, a decent-sized company, and, and we're, uh, we're, we're doing a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, I want to dig in on that, that journey. That is really interesting. And, you know, as you were looking at the problems that sales managers and sales reps were, were dealing with, how did you come up with Badger Maps? And, and what, what does it do to kind of solve problems for the sales reps? Sure. So basically what Badger does is we focused on, and this is a, a unique perspective for a company, we, we focused on a certain end user. And that end user is the field salesperson. So that means that a person whose job it is to go out into the world and meet with customers face to face to to do business with them. And um, that's kind of the person we focus on helping. We help them in a variety of ways. One of the most important is that we do, we help them build out their schedules and their routes while they're you know, in the field or, or planning on being in the field. The other thing we do is we, we help them find leads and, and figure out new, new people to do business with. And then we also show them all their all their territory and all their customers on a map, which gives them the ability to colorize and filterize um, the points in the map to help them focus on the right the right types of customers and get a feel for what the territory looks like, what they should be spending their time with, who they should focus on, how they should get there, in what order, at what time, all all that sort of stuff. So really, we, we do a lot of the blocking and tackling. We gather a lot of data automatically. There's a lot of, well, historically, there's a lot of... Uh, busy work associated with this job, like a lot of things to do and data to capture and things to write down. And uh, and we do a lot of that automatically. Oh, man, I'm sure that the field sales reps love you guys <laughs> to take some of that burden off their plate. That's huge. And I, I think a lot of the folks who listen to this podcast would be interested on the lead, uh, the lead aspect and finding new leads. Um, how, how do you guys help the field reps and potentially, I guess, the marketers and the SDRs to find new leads Mm -hmm. on on that? Well, uh, so field salespeople are often selling to kind of, um, if you walk up and down Main Street USA or, or Main Street, you know, England, it doesn't matter where you are. The businesses that you see up and down the street are often endpoints of consumption, I guess I call them. Meaning this place didn't make the thing that you're getting from them. Uh, but they're they're selling it to you. So like a gas station didn't make the gas. They're just they're they're the point of consumption. A dentist office they didn't make the the machine that cleans your teeth. The point of that you consume that service that goes along with that uh, that that hand, handheld tooth cleaner. A restaurant didn't grow the food. They're they're preparing the food and kind of serving it up. So these places there's lots of them, but they buy things that then get consumed by customers. 
And so it's a really tricky group of people to do lead generation with because if you're trying to sell to pharmaceutical companies, there are only so many pharmaceutical companies, there are tools to find out who is running what division, that sort of thing. There's not really as many tools to find out who runs that gift shop on Main Street, who's in charge of that bar over there on the corner. So you kind of the way to reach those people is not over the phone, but by literally showing up on their doorstep and being like, hi, when's the manager in? I, I sell uh, I sell wine and, and you guys sell a lot of wine and, and because you're a, a bar and I uh, have some great wine, I'd love them to check out. So what we do is we, we have this massive database that we kind of expose to the user and help them see every restaurant in Michigan. Like I, I was just talking to a customer the other day. He sells... He sells tomatoes to every pizza place and every Italian restaurant in the state of Michigan. And there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of pizza places in Michigan. It's a big state, right? Sure. And uh, every little town has one. And, and Italian food, you know, it's it's you know popular in Michigan just like everywhere else in the world. And and they sell high end tomatoes. And his job is to show up, walk into the place, meet with the chef or the cook, and get him to do what they call a tasting, which means he's going to open a can of tomatoes and he wants them to open one of their cans of tomatoes and then uh, and taste both of them next to each other. And hopefully the chef will say, wow, these are some great tomatoes. I, 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 I realize they're more expensive, but I got to buy these tomatoes. So so that's that's the sort of person that we're helping. We know where all the pizza places are. We know where all the Italian food restaurants are. We know where everything is. And, and so we're able to expose this uh, in, a, in a really clean, easy way for for the the field salesperson. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so so that they can get some momentum. Whereas in the past, they'd have to sit there and you know dig through, do their own prospecting, try to find, and then hit the streets. And exactly. it, who knows whether they're going to be able to get anything going? You know, the way that I think about it is, it's almost like you know, five or ten years ago, before everyone had smartphones, you had to call a cab. And mm -hmm. now with the, it's like, does anybody do that anymore? I mean, I feel so sorry for the taxi cab company, um, but you know, now, now it's like, everyone's got a supercomputer in their pocket. Um, we've got the, the, the maps, um, coming into our phone and suddenly Uber Lyft, you know, these, these new industries mm -hmm. are born and it seems like in, in a lot of ways, Badger is leveraging sort of the same, I guess, macro trend. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's similar. I mean, we're we're using we're built on top of Google Maps, just like uh, Lyft or Uber are. Um, I think Uber might be swapping that out though, um, especially now that Google's suing them. They're, 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 they they've done they've done bad things. They're sorry, uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> alleged bad things. L we'll lesson that, learned. <laughs> yeah. <Hopefully>. Oops. <laughs> we'll we'll see what, we'll see what happens there. That that was a. That was a bombshell of news yesterday, but by the time people are listening to this podcast, it'll probably be old news. But right. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's similar. We're we're built on top of Google Maps. We're we're leveraging the, the you know APIs, uh, application protocol interfaces, the ability to plug into streams of data, and uh, we're basically surfacing everything in in one place in a useful way for people. It's amazing, and and so t take me back a little bit in your own story. You're you're a, you're a field rep uh, or you know, you're in the sales industry, you go to business school, how, how does Badger come into your head? And, and, you know, what's, what's the story of you setting this up? And now it's, you know, super successful. And 
five years later. I mean, how did, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's funny. A lot of my friends in business school where they, they set out to be entrepreneurs. That was their, that was their goal. They wanted to, you know, they, they wanted to work at a, you know, create a, create a company and build something. And, and that was never really my, my main focus. I was, you know, I, I, I left left school and went to work for IBM, one of the biggest companies in the world. I kind of went from big company to big big company. Although Google didn't feel like that big of a company because I was on their enterprise team selling uh, Maps and uh, Gmail and like Google Apps and, and and their enterprise software. And that was a smaller team at the time. It's obviously not their not their big business, so that didn't feel like a huge company. It felt more like a startup. We were taking on Microsoft, but. I think it was never the nat- most natural fit for me to, at, at a big company, and until I until I was at a small company and started a small company, I never I never realized that. But but I actually, uh, you know, I I I guess I just had the idea, and and I was like, wow, this is this would be a, this is a real problem, and I knew the problem, you know, because I, I had experienced it obviously because I was I was in field sales for my whole career, um, so I understood it pretty well, and I. I knew the tools and strategies to fix it really well because those are the products that I had that I'd worked with mostly at Google. So I was like, oh well, I mean, I'm kind of uniquely positioned to to you know, here's the problem, and I I really understand the answer, and I really understand the problem, and um, so that, you know, I kind of fleshed it out, and it was like, wow, well, this this seems like a this seems like a way to really create some value for people, and and I kind of think. Uh, I think it was Bruce Lee that coined this phrase. I forget how he said it exactly, but it was he coined it when he was like 21 in like a, a letter to his girlfriend or something. You 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 take a a a percentage. I forget how he said it, but you you get basically of the value that you create in the world. You 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 keep a percentage of it. So if you help, I think he said something like, if you help a million people, then you'll and make a million people's lives better. You'll you'll make a million dollars. It was some some quote like that. But basically, you know, you, you get a percentage of what the of the value that you create. And this seemed to be a way I could create a lot of value for a lot of people. You know, other jobs that I could be doing right now, I could be, you know, managing, you know, 50 salespeople or something. And, you know, maybe I'd be able to help them all if I tried really hard, sell five or 10% more, you know, but really it's mostly on them. Maybe the structure I put in place or something would, would make the company that much more money. But right now, this, this is touching thousands and thousands of salespeople every day. And so for sure it helps and it, you know, they wouldn't use it every day if it didn't help them. So creating a software company, well, probably any company really, allows you to have like an outsized influence and, and create more value than you other, otherwise would have been able to. It scales. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and you know, it's interesting as I, I hear you talk about it, it's almost like you put a puzzle together and the pieces fit really well because you identified a real problem. You lived the problem <laughs> and, and <Yeah>. you, you <laughs> talked to people about it and this was a real problem. You knew the problem, and so you could talk about it with some expertise. And then the kind of piece came together where you had some background in the using the tools that would eventually solve the problem. And it's like <laughs> suddenly, okay, <laughs> the puzzle the puzzle pieces are together. And um, and then you know the other point you made is um, how it scales to help even more people. Um, you know, based on the fact that. Uh, you know, just by downloading it from the, I'm looking, I'm on the iTunes store right now and you can download the app and, you know, that, that goes out to, you know, millions of potential sales reps all over the country. 
right now. Yeah, all it, it works all over the world. I mean, it's it's uh, we've got we've got customers all over Africa and Asia and Europe and places all over. You know, the funny thing about software and you know the iPhone and the Android devices as platforms is they're everywhere. I mean, the iPhone's huge in South Korea. You know, like it's. Actually, South Korea is like the one place that the iPhone's not huge because that's where Samsung's based. Oh, right. <laughs> I love how I use an example. It's like the one wrong example. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully they're not exploding in their pockets. So, yeah, but yeah, I mean, Samsung, you know, that's uh, that they they own South Korea basically. So. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, a and, and and they're very patriotic there, from what I understand. So they they yeah. use Samsung. They they drive Kias, you know, and and uh, Hyundai's. They they're they're like they they spit at Toyotas in the street. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> so so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but so the one example I gave was the wrong example. But you know, Denmark. The iPhone's huge in Denmark. <laughs> right. So. And to your point, I mean, it's, it scales immensely because there's sales reps going around to uh, main streets, you know, in Denmark. And it's just a question of localizing the software and making it useful on the ground over there. And, and uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, a lot of the people that listen to this, if you're if you're kind of thinking like, you know, one of these days, I'd, I'd like to do something entrepreneurial. And in Stephen's example, it's like, putting the, those puzzle pieces together. Is it a real problem? Is it something that's, you know, being faced by more than just five or six people in your social network? <laughs> uh, do you know the problem? Do you have some experience with the technology? Do you have the business acumen, you know, that you picked up in business school? And, um, you know, is it, uh, is it scalable? If you put those together, you might have a, a business on your hands, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, and 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 I would encourage people to try it. You know, like it, it's it's one of these things. You definitely, it's a wonderful experience to create something. I, I would also encourage people to work at small companies. Um, the smaller, the better, just because you you get more exposure to to greater responsibility. You know, like a a, a guy who's a, a you know a total rock star on my team that I hired right out of college, and he's been with us for probably you know four four and a half years. One of our first employees. You know, he he was 23 years old or something at the time, but now he's he's one of the main leaders in the company, right? So he you know he runs a division. You know, <laughs> like, it's <laughs> it's, it's uh it's one and and if he had gone to work for a big company, he'd still you know be at at grunt level, right? So, but he, because he was you know it's it's like the if you join a small company that is growing quickly, it just creates all all this uh, personal growth and development. Uh, you, you were mentioning the, the the different things that uh, to think about when you're starting a company. One thing jumped out at me: the the key the key question that you have to ask when you're starting a business and you have an idea is: is this a problem that people will pay to solve? Mm-hmm. And that's a tricky question because consumers, uh, like you know, not businesses but consumers, they hate paying even to solve relatively serious problems. Like there are tons of people that mm-hmm. never buy software except for like, you know, they're, they're kind of required to buy software from, uh, from Microsoft or else they can't run their computers and stuff. But, um, in general, consumers don't like to pay for things. And, they, and, and so there's, there's a lot of the consumer businesses, you know, kind of function by making their end user, the consumer, the product like, you know, Facebook or, um, really anything, anything that has anything to do with advertising you, that you're using that you don't pay for, you are the product. They're packaging you up and selling you, selling you know your eyeballs to people, basically. Um, but uh, 
Sorry, my uh, I've got my little my little yappy dog here. That I, um, That's okay. Guys. We 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 welcome all guests here on the Sales Development Podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. He well, we we have Badger's a a dog friendly company, and so we uh, we have dogs in the office, and I, um, I I've got this little pom this little fluffy pomeranian that I acquired through marriage, and uh, <laughs> and so so he's. He's a yappy little creature. We also have a uh, a lab pit mix running around the office here. He's a, he's a puppy. He's like you know, I don't know, four months old, five months old. So he's off the walls. <laughs> well, that's that's you know, to your point that you were making, um, consumers will spend money on their pets. That's for sure. But um, that they will. <laughs> when it we, comes we have... to themselves, they're very <laughs> difficult. But it's it's so the pet food industry. So we we have uh, several customers actually who who sell pet food. There, you know, because the way you sell pet food is is with field salespeople either going around to pet stores, that's one of these main street businesses, or going around to veterinarians, another main street business. And uh, so you you got you have to get your reps in front of uh, in in front of these these places and get them to carry your pet food on their on their shelves, or even better yet, if they're a vet, to recommend the pet food. And uh, and it's it's I was talking to the the VP of sales at one of these pet food companies. It's like a sixty five billion dollar industry pet food which you'd never guess i mean it i mean it's there's so many industries that seem boring but uh and a lot of them a lot of a lot of them uh you know have field salespeople in them that you know because it's things that you just it's like oh yeah of course there's an industry around pet food but i mean the margins are amazing. Like the, it, it's I mean, huge market, sixty-five billion dollars. I mean, it's it's you know, all, we we had a we had a company that was selling ferret food uh, <laughs> using our product, ferret food, and I'm like, is that a is that a thing? I mean, like, do I want to see cat food or something? But but it was a huge market. I mean, it's 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 a wild world out there. <laughs> it really is, and I I think that we. You know, in the Silicon Valley kind of bubble, we tend to focus if it's if it's not something, you know, that everyone else is talking about. It's like it's it's almost like it doesn't exist. And then all of a sudden, you realize there's a billion dollar market for ferret food, and you're just like, yeah. wait a minute, <laughs> how, how many people have ferrets? Okay. Yeah. I actually I, I had two ferrets growing up, but and and thinking back, we did have ferret food, right? <laughs> They, so they don't. They don't eat a lot of it. They're tiny little animals. But uh, but I I don't know how much it costs. I mean, my mom was buying it at the time. But I mean, <laughs> this guy. I think he was out of Portland or something. He but he he claimed that he had the best ferret food around that was really better for them. And you know, but he was he had a whole team of guys selling it. Right, and and I think you know to your point, it's like um, when you're when you're sitting there going, okay, I there's a big problem I want to solve. I I think that you know. There's a market out there for this, but will people pay for it, right? And mm -hmm. and trying to, I mean, you know, actually, I had a guest on the show once who um, she she ran a company that did market testing, um, and the Canadian government requires that you do market testing before they'll fund a, a startup in this program that she was talking about, and and so she went out and found out will people actually pay for this first before they invested mm. a bunch of money in the company and sometimes you 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 know you're on tech crunch or something and, and you look at some of these companies and you're just like will people pay for this 
<laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, well the yeah. sil- you know, the, the Silicon Valley has a bunch of uh, a bunch of companies, and it's kind of like, well, if we we're able to get the data, or we we're able to get the the uh, the eyeballs, we'll be able to monetize this thing. Um, and 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 they, you know, they're 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 obviously right on that all the time. But I I would be all those companies are going to need a ton of investment and a ton of you know, it, it's it's a different. I think it's way easier if you can do something that actually is going to have people from you know day six when you have a uh, when you have a, a, a basic skeleton of the of the product to talk about and kind of pitch to that you can sell before the thing even exists way easier because you just you, you can you can float the company and that's what a weird thing about us compared to most companies is we we didn't bring on investment um, we just we did a small uh, friends and family angel round but we we don't have professional investors involved in the company and and that's because you know from from before the thing even existed really we were we were able to to be selling it right and and people were were picking it up off the table when it was just an idea so that 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 allowed us to kind of fund the company and keep the thing floating and and you know today we we bring money we bring money in and then we pay it pay people salaries with it so it's almost like a like a business (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, right you, you look it's at some of these companies it's like okay but no that's amazing that's great and and um so t- take us back just to you know back to five years ago or whatever how when it was you and your friends and family and and you guys are starting this up how did it how did it form into where it is today as far as did you start with hiring engineers, uh, salespeople? Were you doing the sales? How did you kind of form it at the beginning and grow it to the structure that it is now? One weird thing about the way we formed it, and I think this is a trick for for companies, is we had you know a, a relative, a professional salesperson, um, me <laughs> from <laughs> from from day one, right? Yeah, and uh, and and that. That does a couple things that aren't necessarily intuitive. I mean, obviously, you're going to be able to bring money in faster, and and, and sales sales is a, is a you know a tricky skill and and a professional skill that that uh, that there's you know strategies and ways to do it, and there, there's a reason it's you know one of the more common jobs. It's it's uh, in the world. It's but it's a it's a trade, right? Like you you're not if you don't know how to do it, you probably aren't going to be good at it, right? And uh, mm. it, it, it's you you can do it terribly, but which is different than like engineering or something. Like I can't I can't I can't be a terrible engineer engineer because I can't be any kind of engineer, right? It's <laughs> but yeah. but uh, but someone can do sales terribly. But it was a real very few startups have a professional salesperson from day one, and it was a real advantage for us. And it could because not and, and not only for the, the the obvious reason which you can bring in money faster if you if you have someone who's knows how to do that, but but also, I was selling it as a, an idea and selling it as a concept, which allowed us to tighten in on what industries we, we should go after, which features should be the first ones. Because I was I was selling a thing that was just an idea, right? And I was I was you know reaching out to people who would be or who I thought would be our our correct buyer, and, and uh, I, I had a little matrix of like the different roles in an organization that would be kind of floating around and touching this, and and then the. The uh, the different features across the top and different capabilities and trying to hone in on what what was the most most important uh, of the the capabilities that we were building and having those conversations with people um, 
and I was probably selling it to, you know, it didn't exist yet, but I was had I was in, in in engaged conversations with probably a hundred people or something that were that were the the would be buyers of this of this product, and um, that allowed us to build the right thing that they wanted to buy right away, and then after that, you know, so after we because we had that good feedback, and then once we created the basic thing, we were able to sell it to a, to a chunk of them, and. And that was a so that was that's a weird structural thing that we did um, just out of luck, just because of my background, um, that that allowed us to to I, I think really helped us helped us be successful. The the first hires uh, you know were were engineers you need, you need or an engineer really because uh, you need someone to uh, to, to build the thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, right. and, uh, and and then we uh, we also had a. We, we had a couple outsourced engineers as well, uh, people that, that didn't work at the company but were were doing some different specialized things for us. It's hard for it's hard for one person to to do everything in engineering, and, and so we, we kind of brought in the the different the the different skill sets that in, ex, in areas of expertise that uh, as we needed them. But really, I mean, the thing was built by one guy, more, more or less. Amazing. Um, and 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 so. so and so tell me tell me about you know people are busy out there your targets are your target prospects are busy and you you've got your matrix and you've got your idea and you're sitting there how do you approach them to talk about something that you know is still conceptual um and you know mm-hmm. get them to give you you know 20 minutes to go through what you're thinking about yeah um well a lot of people are interested in new ideas and new businesses and mm-hmm. and uh, it's exciting for them and they're kind of you know sitting in their boring day jobs and they're like yeah I'd like to talk to this person about this cool thing um, so <laughs> so people people are more willing to like interact with you if you're if you're open and honest and say hey you know we we're building this new company and it's got to do with this and I'm trying to figure out exactly what's the most important things to someone like you because you're our key you're you're, you're pro- someone like you is the buyer so I'd love to just pick your brain for a few minutes about you know what you think about this and if it's something that would be useful and what areas what areas are the most important a good chunk of people will get back to you and say oh that's cool I'm interested in that like this is um, I think especially if it's something that is relatively interesting to them they'll 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 take a call um, I, I also we, we kind of went through friends and and uh, you know b- business school classmates and uh, people that I, that I kind of knew from my past you know business stuff and, um, and and even if they weren't the right buyer if they were at the right company I could get them to introduce me to the right buyer you know kind of as a hey my friend's doing this check you know would you take a few minutes and talk to him but we we had a nice we had a nice pipeline by the time we actually even had our most basic prototype. And then we could show it to people and be like, "Hey, you know, just wanted you to see this, to get feedback on it, to, to show me, tell me what you is. This, this is the thing that we built, you know, based on some of your feedback. Here it would be great to see if uh, if this is what you had in mind." And they'll take that call too because the you know people like to be an expert, and and, and people are experts if you if you reach out to the right people. So that was kind of the trick to uh, to getting the thing going. Yeah, and then, as you said, some of them ended up becoming customers, right? It, because they're like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, this is pretty cool. I'll <laughs> go ahead and give yeah, you guys we, a shot. Yeah, we had some you know real companies jump into the boat on the most basic product. So the most basic product just was a map, a, you know, a Google map, and we, would, we were putting the the points, their their customers on that map, and then they could colorize them by an attribute. So they could say, oh well, you know, colorize these points by by uh, 
you know, what type of customer is it? I sell the dentists and I sell the orthodontists and I sell the pediatricians. And I would, you know, now I'm looking at my map and I can see with a color which ones are pediatricians and which ones are dentists and which ones are orthodontists. So that that was that was uh, the most that was it in its most basic form. And we had we had real, you know, real companies purchase it just for that because they were like, yeah, that'll I mean that, you know, and, and part of it is you know, the, the sales, the, 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 the sales process of, Hey, you know, that you, you get, this is what we have now, but you know, you get, and you guys can buy it for only this much. It's going to, you know, in, in, a, in a year, it's going to do all these other things, but it's going to cost, you know, five or 10 times more. And, uh, you, you guys getting in on the, on the ground floor here, locks the price in and, and, uh, and, and, and you get to be on, on the, the bleeding edge of this, this innovation curve. And, and, you know, it's going to give you an advantage against your competitors. And that, nice. and people, and people can kind of see. They're like, oh yeah, well, if you, this is cool alone the way it is right now, it'll help our people. And if you also make it do this, this, and this, you know, once you add the filters, and once you add the the ability for us, add the filters, so you can make the pediatricians disappear, or once you give them the ability to, you know, draw draw a little circle or line around around a, a group of the points and automatically build a build a route for for that that's optimized. Um, and then be able to schedule that out and move the times around. And that would be, I mean, that's, you know, that's going to save these guys 30 minutes a day. That's, that's worth a ton. So even though it doesn't do that now, you, you, you tell me it's going to in a year and I'll buy this now in its current form because it's cool. Right. And then you're, you're stacking up all the product ideas. So, you know, you've got mm-hmm. a, a whole huge list of product ideas coming in from people. And now you can prioritize those based on, you know, what the workload looks like and, and make the product even better, you know, when you go back out to them. That's, that's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how we did it. That's such a great story. I think a lot of people build products and then hope for the best. And it's like, you (laughs) got to do that initial hustle. And I think bringing in your sales background, like, you know, to your point is huge because you, you're, you know, you, you, you're professional salesperson. So you can strategize uh, first before just kind of launching into your, initial campaign <laughs> so yeah, yeah yeah and that and, and that came naturally for us we, and, but it wasn't planned i mean that was just uh you know that was just how it worked for us i think because you know and, and it's tough right like if you weren't a, a salesperson it'd be it'd be tough to hire a salesperson that early over say like you know a product designer or a product manager or, a, or an engineer but you know it's to have us you know to have someone with real sales skills around would be you know it's it's I, I I think it's a huge advantage for a startup because it keeps them on it keeps them customer focused, customer yeah, and, focused the, and bringing in the money hopefully <laughs> right yep, right exactly and 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 you know and and this goes for companies of a lot of sizes I mean I think it's very easy to not listen to your your sales your salespeople and your other your customer service people your customer success people really anyone who's who's customer facing like if I, if I'm if I wanted to evaluate a company on on how I thought I was going to do for for an investment or for, for, you know, just anything, right. If I wanted to work there, that, that those are the people I'd want to talk to. I'd want to talk to those people and find out, you know, how, how happy are the customers? How often, how, you know, what, how often do they stick with the company or do they leave it? Like they, do they churn? Um, how, uh, what, what are they asking for coming next? Is that, or does the company, 
give them what they're asking for after after a bit like if a bunch of people are asking for a certain feature does the company prioritize that i think those are great indicators of whether some a place is a good company to work for or invest in or or anything how i think that customer centricity is really important i agree 100% that's a really good point and and that's some, you know folks who are on the podcast and and you're you're looking at companies potentially for your next employment situation you know, talk to some some of the sales reps, talk to some of the CSMs and get some of that information before you you make that huge life decision of <laughs> going to a company and, yeah. you know, it ends up they, they're ignoring their customers and things are going downhill. But uh, no, and I'm sure that you've built the company to, to be customer centric. Um, what's next for, for Badger over the next you know, year or two? And what, what are you excited about for the future coming up? Well, I mean, we've got a... a... A bunch more things coming up. We, we, uh, you know, on the product side, we're expanding the company. We, we opened our, our Europe, opened offices in Europe. We've got a, we've got offices in, uh, in Utah, um, sales and customer success offices in Utah that we're just building out right now. We've got a team in the Philippines for doing, you know, doing, doing customer service stuff. And, and we're, we're still growing here in San Francisco as well, where we started. So that, that's, uh, where we've got a, a, there's a lot of stuff on my plate. I mean, I spend most of my time, um, either you know talking and interacting with the important customers um and strategic customers i guess i i spend probably i bet more than half probably more than half my time on like hr type stuff the hiring the recruiting the the mentoring the coaching all that stuff the culture side of the company so that that's all that that's what's kind of filling my plate right now um what i'm excited about right now uh, the the product I'm really excited about, like you know, f- five years in, you've really got a real thing that fixes problems and like you know, op- operates at scale. Um, the marketing stuff's really exciting right now. We get you know a, a ton of people finding out about the product and showing up on our doorstep and saying, "Hey, I'd like to do a free trial." Um, so that that I'm definitely excited about. And, and, and along that line uh, of thought, actually. Um, if if any you know if, if any of your uh, your listeners here um, sign up for for a free trial, just have them have them mention the sales development podcast and uh, and and we'll give them a couple months free of uh, of Badger. So um, just for just let the let the our our sales rep or one of our customer service reps or anyone who who you interact with um, when, when you sign up for a trial, just let them just mention the name of the show and and they'll they'll pop two months free on there. Nice. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll we'll put a a link in the show notes as well, so they can they can get straight over to your website and and check it out. Um, you know, Steve, this has been awesome, man. I I mean, I think that a lot of the folks who listen to this are are thinking about going the entre- entrepreneurial path, or or they're just more curious about how how that that whole um, you know journey takes place. So d- definitely appreciate all the details and. And um, all the the info about uh, how you built the company and 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 you know all the best uh, in your continued success. Thanks, I I really appreciate it. This is this has been a lot of fun, David. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot, Steve. Take care. All right, take care.